in the New Testament. January 1st, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 2, verse 12. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of King David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah. Their mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amminadab. Amminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. His mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed. His mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon. His mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asaph. Asaph was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Jehoram. Jehoram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Amos. Amos was the father of Josiah. Josiah was the father of Jehoiachin and his brothers, born at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the Babylonian exile, Jehoiachin was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abihud. Abihud was the father of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok was the father of Akim. Akim was the father of Elihud. Elihud was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Mathan. Mathan was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. All those listed above include fourteen generations from Abraham to King David, and fourteen from David's time to the Babylonian exile, and fourteen from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. Now this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, being a just man, decided to break the engagement quietly so as not to disgrace her publicly. As he considered this, he fell asleep. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph! Son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary, for the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this happened to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and he will be called Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded. He brought Mary home to be his wife, 
but she remained a virgin until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea, during the reign of King Herod. About that time some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We have seen his star as it arose, and we have come to worship him. Herod was deeply disturbed by their question, as was all of Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law. Where did the prophets say the Messiah would be born? he asked them. In Bethlehem, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. O Bethlehem of Judah, you are not just a lowly village in Judah, for a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod sent a private message to the wise men, asking them to come see him. At this meeting he learned the exact time when they first saw the star. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me, so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. Once again the star appeared to them, guiding them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house where the child and his mother Mary were, and they fell down before him and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But when it was time to leave, they went home another way, because God... God will use the foolish things to confound the wise... God can use a man without arms and legs to be his hands and feet to prove that it's not about Nick. It's not about his ability. It's not about him and his strength and how, how he speaks all around the world and uses his hands greatly as gestures and body language while he gets excited preaching. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. I didn't write my story. Jesus wrote my story. He knew me before the earth began. And I don't know about you, but yeah, it's good to have a job. It's good to have a relationship and get married and have kids. It's good to have that stuff. But until you find Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there will be always something missing. You can't rely on you because you will fail you every single time, just about. I needed Him, not just because of this, but for my heart, for my mind. By the grace of God, He kept me here on earth, even though I tried to commit suicide at age 10. The bullying at my school convinced me that I was a mistake, that I'd never eventuate to anything. Man, what a lie. When you realize it's just the devil, I say just the devil because the devil's nothing compared to Jesus. I was listening to the encouragement my parents were saying, but then listening to the lies at the same time. The lies saying, you're not good enough, Nick, just give up. No, I am wonderfully and fearfully made according to Psalm 139. Oh, Nick, you should just give up. No, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
At age 10, I didn't believe the truth because I wasn't running the race. I wasn't in the right race. The race where it's not just getting things in your life and doing things and having things. What happens after you get married? You think you're the happiest person alive. You need to talk to some married people first. <laughs> Amen? Amen? All right, so then after you get married, and I love my wife, trust me. But if you're not happy single in Jesus, then you're not going to be happy married. Amen? It's not about me. It's not about my ability. It's not anything about that. It's all about Jesus. It's not about what you have or what you don't have, or what you wish you had or what you wish you didn't have. It's all about Jesus, that no matter where you are in your life right now, if you ask God to forgive you of your sin and you repent of your sin, God will come into your life, forgive you of your sin. You'll receive His life, His blessings, His life eternal, and His life life's plan for your life not my plan I don't want my plan sometimes we just need to get over ourselves and actually realize that sometimes God actually has a better plan I suggest a plan to God and he doesn't say anything sometimes but we got to understand that God's ways are higher than ours and thoughts are higher than ours and I showed that video for for the summary of my testimony and I want you to know in your life I don't know what you're going through but God does. If I have Jesus, I have everything I need. Now, does that mean I, I don't have a pair of shoes in my closet just in case he says yes to me? No, I do have a pair, okay? Just in case, okay? I wanna be ready. But what we need healing first is in the inside and to hear the voice of God. Hearing the voice of God, when you hear a phone ring, you pick it up. Okay? When you're sometimes dialing into heaven and it feels like he's not picking up, don't hang up on God. He's listening. I hung up on God because I didn't understand his plan. God said through my parents, Nick, God's got a plan for your life. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. I have a hope, plan, and a future. I'm like, no way. There's no race like that. There's no heaven. There's no God. Look at all the pain in the world. If God loved the world, then why is he letting so much pain happen? Later on, you realize in the Bible, God doesn't give us pain. But whatever the enemy tried to use for bad, God turned into good. I can't do anything with my broken pieces. But there's nothing that God cannot do. I've seen pain. I've seen miracles. God allows things that we don't understand, but I want you to know if you hold on to Him, He'll hold on to you. If you trust in the Lord with all your heart, even when you cannot walk, He'll carry you. When you don't get a miracle, you can still be a miracle. I don't need what the world can give me. I want what Jesus wants to give me. What do you think I rather want? One more person to live forever or have a little bit more money? What do you take with you? Nothing. Nothing. Not your garden, not your car, not your nothing. Just you, your soul. And the encouragement you've planted all around you, hopefully souls to come with you. I can only imagine. Now, don't, don't handcuff me because of my doctrine, but I just like this illustration. 
Imagine God sees me and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Welcome home. And then he sort of looks over my shoulder and says, who'd you bring? Amen. I want to run that race, the race that matters, the race that counts. And I'd rather be paralyzed in the arms of Jesus in that race than be the first prize winner and runner in any other race.